Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. How are we doing? Man, we're so glad that you're here. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Man, and you know, one of the things that uh, the band, so they sang one of the songs, but we're here just to declare his victory. And uh, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning is just declaring his victory. Okay, this morning with that. Man, I mean, this is uh, Good Friday was a sad day, but Sunday was coming and it's here and we're here to celebrate everything Jesus came and did for us. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you don't bring a Bible with you, I got it on the screen. So it's virtual Bible for you today. And if this is your first time, maybe you have not, you're new to church, you haven't been to church before, uh, who are these people? Well, we, we really love Jesus. That's who we are. Our lives have been radically changed by his love. And uh, so we're believing and expecting today that you're not just hearing a nice message or hearing some great music, it's you're actually experiencing the living God for yourself. And that's our prayer for you today. And we know it's going to happen because Jesus came that you could experience him. That's our heart's desire. So welcome to Impact Life Church or you know, been to church in a long time. Welcome to church. And uh, man, again, like I said, we are very friendly people. Anybody greeted by a friendly person this morning? Okay, there's about five people that were greeted friendly. The rest of y'all were just, I, I'm sorry about that. How many of you parked a long way to get here? You walked maybe by the river. You know, it might not be spring. You can hear the birds chirping. It's just a great opportunity to get outside, but thank you for walking the... 500 meters to get to church this morning. We're, we're glad that you came. Uh, but if you got your Bibles with you, I want you to go to a very famous scripture, John chapter 3. And let's go there for a moment. John 3, 16, because again, just in thinking about, you know, this, this time and, you know, in my own mind, in my own personal life, just taking time to actually reflect and think back on the cross. And uh, last night we had a, um, an amazing opportunity to, you know, impact generations for Jesus. That's our vision here, what we're doing. And one of the things that we did yesterday, we went out and uh, we loved on the community, loved on people just to show them who Jesus was. And so who, who all served yesterday? Can you just, man, throw your hand up. We just want to, maybe just stand up for a quick moment. Can we give you guys a great big hand? Yesterday morning, or sorry, afternoon. Thank you. There's more of y'all. There wasn't just five. That we had an awesome opportunity to reach a bunch of kids and parents and families in the neighborhood. We had a big Easter egg hunt. And our vision that we did is just to love people with the eyes of Jesus with no strings attached. And so we're able to go out and make a great impact. And so it was very well done. So guys, thank you so much from the bottom of our heart. We are impacting generations for Jesus together. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And what we're doing is we are reaching out, drawing in, and lifting up. And so we're, we're doing that in motion. Uh, but John chapter 3, verse 16, and this is the Passion Bible. I want you to see this. It says, for this is how much God loved the world. Now, I want you to notice in your own Bibles, maybe, what color is it on your Bible? It's red. So who's talking when the, page, when the, the script is read? Jesus is speaking. Right? Everybody say, Jesus is talking. So when he talks, we pay attention to what he's got to say. So notice what he says, and I want you to see this is why, and this is who our God is. You can really see the character of God in these very simple verses. For this is how much God loved the world. Now, it doesn't say Christians, it doesn't say the church. This is how much God loved the world. Everybody say world. Now, how many of you are in this world? So this includes you. This is how much God loved the world. So this isn't a Christian verse, right? This is for who? The world, anybody that's in this blue earth, this belongs to you. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. 
so that everyone, say everyone. Again, does that say Christians? Does that say good people? No, it says everyone who believes. That means to accept, receive, and take hold of. Who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. Now, I love this next verse. Verse 17 goes on to say, God, now notice this. So this is why God did send his son. Why did he send his son? Because he loved the world so much. I'm going to say so much. Anybody ever been hungry before? Anybody ever been so hungry before? What's the difference? When you're hungry or so hungry, what's the difference? So hungry, you're going to do something about it, right? You're going to raid that fridge. You're going to do whatever it takes. You may even go to McDonald's and eat four Big Macs if you have to. If you are so hungry, that's just you do what you got to do, right? Well, Jesus, God says he didn't just love the world. It says this is how much he loved the world. The other translations say so much that he had to do something. Now, notice verse 17 says it shows why another reason God did not send his son into the world to judge and to condemn the world, but be its savior and rescue it. If God wanted to condemn you, he would have done nothing. But he doesn't want to condemn you. That's not who our God is. Our God is not a condemning God. He is a God of love who cares about you. So look at this. God did not send his son into the world to judge. So you can look, and if you're kind of curious about who this Jesus guy was, I encourage you to get a Bible, look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You see Jesus and what he did and what he was like. Not one time do you see Jesus judging and condemning anybody. Even people who were horribly off and completely off, off track. And I mean, just like you and I, we all sin. We mess up all these things. Not once does he condemn the world. Not once does he judge it. But he came to rescue us from it. Aren't you thankful for that? So the entire Bible, if you're wondering what the Bible is all about, the Bible is about proving that these two verses are true. That's what it's all here for. If you want to sum up the whole Bible in two verses, it's John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. God gave, loved us so much that he gave Jesus. And at the same time, he didn't send Jesus to judge and to condemn the world, but to rescue it. Now, everybody on this earth, no matter where you're from, what your past is, everybody needs rescuing. How many of you have been rescued before? Man, I've been rescued and I'm going to need rescuing again, but our Savior came to save us. And this is what we celebrate Jesus all this day. Now... What we want to do this morning, because we see God love the world so much, we want to talk about and observe for ourselves how much God loves us. So Ephesians chapter 5, and I'll just look at verse 2. I have it on the screen here in the Message Bible. Um, if you guys kind of back up, maybe go to the verse 1. Message Bible is kind of different that way. Uh, verse 1. You guys can go to it. Click. No? Okay. That's fine. It says this in verse 1. I'll just kind of read it halfway through. It says, observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. Now that word extravagant means exceedingly what is reasonable and appropriate. So he exceeds what is reasonable. His love wasn't safe or cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. So this is the love that we're going to observe this morning. I want to just very simply, very plainly lay it out. I want you to see. Everybody say see. You're going to see the love that he has for you. So as I'm you know, speaking these words, I'm believing God's going to paint a picture on your mind and in your heart so that you can see it. Because there's nothing more powerful than seeing love demonstrated for you and I. 
Because a lot of people kind of think, okay, well, 2,000 years ago, this guy did something for me. That, that's great. Yeah, but what we want to do with the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He takes what Jesus did and he makes it real to you right now. And so that's what we're going to be talking about is I want you to observe and see this love that no matter where you're from, no matter what may happen to you in life, this love will change you from this point out. Anybody ever encountered love before? Maybe, maybe I'm talking about the love of God. You may have encountered it and what did it do? It radically changed you. You were going, you were acting one way, all of a sudden you came in contact with love, everything changed. And even men, you may even started crying a little bit. That's what this love will do. Right? I mean, even if you think about just naturally speaking, when somebody even shows and expresses love for another person, what does it do? It warms your heart. Right? Any, you know, something that really gets me. Ever seen those, uh, when the military comes home to go, you know, surprise their kids or anything like that? Any, that ever get him any? Oh, come on, you guys. That guy said gets you, pulls on you somewhere. Right? But every time you know, see that dad just coming in, just all of a sudden surprising his son, and all of a sudden the kid just breaks down, that, that's just natural genius, the love there. And you go, oh, man. So this love of God exceeds all of that. It's so powerful, and I want you to see it this morning. And what we're going to talk about, Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5, you're going to see it, and you're going to see God's love for you and I. Again, in the Passion Bible, it says, with my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. Your uh, verse 2. <laughs> Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness that you've done for me? So what I want to talk a little bit today is the kindness expressed, the miracles of kindness that he expressed. And verse 3, it starts off like this. You've kissed my heart with what? forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. You've, uh, go back guys. Follow with me, stay with me. In spite of all that I've done, you've healed me inside and out from, come on, what is it? Every disease. So this morning I'm going to talk about these two. I'm going to really major in on these two for a little bit. But I want you just to continue to see. This is how could I forget your miracles of kindness, your mercies of kindness for me. This is it expressed. Number one is you've forgiven me of all that I've done. Two, you've healed me inside and out of every disease. Verse four goes on to say, you've rescued me from hell and you've saved my life. For those of you wondering hell, yeah, hell's a real place. But here's the cool thing. Jesus rescued you from it. You don't have to go there. It's a choice that you make. You don't got to go there if you don't want to. And you saved my life. You've crowned me with what? Love and mercy. Verse five. You satisfy my every desire with crappy things. No, people think serving God's a burden. Are you kidding me? Every desire that I have, he satisfies it with good things. Remember, we're here to celebrate. No, no, no. You've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Anybody need to supercharge this morning? Well, he's already done it. This is who he is. And so these miracles of kindness that we're describing, this isn't something that God's going to do. This is something he has already done. Everybody say already done. So what we're going to talk about is, okay, he already did it. We're going to bring it into 2019. He's already done it. So they'll go back to verse three or four, three or four again. And the first things that he says, you kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. Now forgiven of what? What are you forgiven of? Everything. Sin. Everybody say sin. Sin, sin is still a word. <laughs> right? People kind of excuse that with, oh, I have issues or problems. 
Sin. Sin is the problem. And what is sin? Sin simply means you've missed the mark. Sin, what it did, it separated us from a holy, pure, just, loving God. Sin, what did it came to do? It came and totally separated us so that we were spiritually dead. He came to forgive us of all that sin. And I want to take some time to share that with you. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. <clears throat> In the Bible, we know these verses. Maybe you may have heard it. But Romans 3, 23, it says that everyone has sinned. Everybody say everyone. everyone. So look at your neighbor and go, oh yeah, you used to sin. Yeah. Hey, here at the front, I've sinned. What? Really? Yeah, we've all sinned. And then it goes on to say, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Here's God's standard and here we are. Could we ever meet, uh, match up to that? Not in our own strength. And so that's why it's all talking, well, I'm just a good person and God's going to accept me because I'm good. Let me tell you, no amount of goodness is ever going to get you close to God's righteous standard. We all fall short of that. Ephesians chapter 2. Do you guys got that verse? I, I hope you do. There it is. Verse 1. It says, once you were dead. Say, I was dead. Now because of what? My disobedience and my many sins. Verse 2 goes on to say, you used to live in sin. Remember those days? You used to live in it. Just like the rest of the world. Now notice, who was our boss? Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way. Now notice how we used to live, following the, some of you don't think you can say that word in church, passionate desires. Anybody ever had a passionate desire before? Yeah, you used to live that way, so don't say, oh, that's not me. Everyone used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Basically, whatever you felt like doing, you did it. Whatever felt good, go for it, man. It's going to be good. It's going to feel good, right? By our very nature, then, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And I'm going to just stop it there. But we know verse 4 says, But God, so rich is He in His mercy that He forgave us of all our sin. Now, but this is the place I just wanted you to show that just because we're Christians doesn't mean we got it all put together. We were all on the same boat. All that we've done is we've accepted what Jesus has done. That's the only difference between us and somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet is we've received him. Right? Okay, so that's the sin part of it. So how did God forgive me? How did he do all this? He did it through one man named Jesus. Now, the good news is that even though God abhors sin... He loves us, and that is why he sent Jesus to save us from our sins and restore us to himself. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, I don't have these verses on the screen, so if you're taking notes or if you're curious about what all this is, Psalm 103, where we just were, verse 12, it says that God has removed, everybody say removed. He's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Now, what does that mean? Can the east ever catch up to the west? No, can the West ever, you know, run as fast as it can and finally get to the East? No, because you just keep going around and it just ends up being a whole giant circle. You keep going East, all of a sudden, oh, I'm West now. As far as the East is from the West, that's how far he has, come on somebody, this is the good news. He has removed them. They're gone. He's removed it. I love this verse. You know, John chapter 
Uh, no, sorry, Matthew 1, verse 21. This is the angel talking to Mary, saying, I'm, you're going to name your son Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then when Jesus was born, John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, look, everybody say, look. They got excited about it. Look, there comes, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everybody say, take away. He's removed it. He's taken it away. When you take away something from somebody, that means it's no longer in their possession. Right? Like, Mr. Ants, can I have your wallet? Well, it's in his sock. <laughs> oh, in his cowboy boot. Well, thank you. Now, does he have his wallet? No. Who's got it? Yeah, who wants to go for lunch? All right. <laughs> But when I take it away, look, it says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I took it away, no longer has it. Does he have his wallet? No. So what did Jesus do? Thank you, Mr. Anthologist. I knew you had the thickest wallet, so I thought I'd invite everybody for lunch after. <laughs> you no longer possess or have it with you. Jesus came to take it away. God did not come into, to send Jesus to the world to judge and to condemn but to rescue people from their sins. He took it away. Everybody say, take away. Take away. Take away. Took away. He removed. He took away. First Thessalonians chapter 5 now, verse 9. It says, God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to, uh, not to pour out His anger on us. First Timothy 1.15 says, This is a trustworthy saying, and it should be accepted by everyone. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come to save good people, nice people. He came to save sinners. This is where we all were. Remember the situation we were before. We all sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us were in the same boat. Used to live by the inclinations of our sinful nature. We were stuck in this place. This is what I want to do. I was stuck in my flesh. But God came to rescue you and I and remove sin completely away from us. Man, this is good. I remove it. Completely gone. So, I want you to go Romans chapter 3, verse 24, just to show you, right after that verse that says, we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. But how did God forgive me? He did it through Jesus. And I want you to just read you this quote. It says, it is wonderfully true that God does not count our sins against us, but it is not the ultimate wonder. The wonder of all wonders is that God counted our trespasses against His own Son, Jesus Christ. He did not pass them by. He punished each sin to them to the full in the person of who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. God doesn't just, okay, ignore the sin that was going on. Sin is the issue. It's the problem. God didn't just go, okay, I'm going to magically poof, and now it's no longer there. No, he had to do something with that sin. So instead of putting out his anger on us and the judgment on us, that's why the cross, if you've ever seen it, or you may have, we watched The Passion last night, Saturday night, you saw how brutal it was. You saw that they, man, they, when they tore into him, they just punched his face out, pulled his beard out, whipped his back, nailed him to a cross. It was so harsh. The reason why is God put all of that sin judgment on his son Jesus. He saw everything in the past. He saw everything in the future. He took all that sin and he put it on one man. That's why the cross is horrific. Actually, if you read in Isaiah chapter 52, Isaiah the prophet describes the Messiah as completely being disfigured. 
He doesn't even look like a man anymore. When he hung on that cross, you can't even see that he's actually a man anymore. Lips are gone. Nose is just completely gone. It's defaced, actually, if you look at the real Hebrew. He's been defaced. So that's why it's so horrific. And I believe when you get to heaven, you're going to see the scars that he has in his hands to always keep you and I in remembrance of the price that it took to get you and I back. For God so loved the world... Like this is not just a, oh yeah, I like y'all. It's, it's good to have you around a little bit. No, this love is so intense that he was willing to give everything he had to get you back. And these scars, you're going to see them one day when you accept Jesus as your Lord. You're going to stand before him and you're going to see the holes in his wrists, the holes in his feet, the spear in his side. Man, and all I can think of is, oh, you've been so good to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it's not me, it's not how good I am. If I can you know, sum up enough goodness in me to, around, to do good around other people, it's not about that. Heaven is not for good people. Heaven is full of people who are forgiven. <laughs> oh man, and I love this Jesus. So here we talk about it. So how did God get rid of this sin? Romans 3.24, it says, Before that we all f- sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he, talking Jesus, freed us from the penalty of our sins. Say it, I'm free. Free Free of what? The penalty of our sin. What ultimately do you deserve? We deserve nothing. We deserve hell. We deserve sickness. We deserve pain. We deserve punishment. That's what we deserve. But Jesus did differently. He took the penalty of our sins for us. Verse 25, click. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin, and people are made right with God by doing good things? Now, some of you that maybe don't know Jesus, like, look, look at this, pay attention to this. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. This is it. Jesus paid the ultimate price on that cross. He removed sin. He took away All sin. So let me just tell you this right now. In the world, sin is not the issue. Come on, let's say that together. Sin is not the issue. People do not choose to go to hell because of, you know, being an adulterer, being a murderer, being an alcoholic, being a drug addict, being a homosexual, all these things that, you know, people are fighting against. You don't go to hell because of those things. Come on, somebody. We need to understand this, church folk. We got to get this. Why is it that people then go to hell? Because they choose not to believe in Jesus. That's the only reason why. So sin has already been removed. It's taken away. So what's holding people back from a relationship with a holy God? What are you going to do with Jesus? That's the question that we got to ask people. If they don't know Jesus, they don't know God. The question is not get rid of all that sin and then come to God. No, the question is what are you going to do about this man, Jesus? Because, you know, the Bible talks about him being a chief cornerstone and people trip over this cornerstone. What are you going to do with this man, Jesus? Either you are embracing him or you are rejecting him. Let me encourage you, embrace him with everything that he is. Because when you do that, he rem- I mean, all that sin is already gone, but he makes you completely clean on the inside. There's the fresh start. And now 
You are no longer on God's bad side. Come on. <laughs> we want you in. The church wants you in. The family wants you in. We want this family to grow. How does it grow? People that believe in Jesus. So again, if you're wondering, but what is this church all about? We are people that believe what Jesus has done for us. It's not our good works that gets us to heaven. It's simply believing what Jesus has done for us. We believe his word inside and out and that he is the ultimate sacrifice for us. Can I get an uh-huh? That's who he is. So how did God forgive me? He did it through Jesus. And let me ask you this. Why did God do this? Why did God see all, go through all this problem? Like if you think about it, just stop and think about it for a moment. Why didn't God just uh, forget this earth? I'll just start a new one over here. He could have just dismissed us and never have another thought about us ever again. And he could have just started something brand over in another galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Why didn't he do that? Because he loves us. Now thinking about it that way, this God, this Jesus... He was not man before the foundation of the world. He was God. He was all spirit. Yet, he chose to come down and become a man for eternity. Now, I remember my dad telling me this when I was a kid uh, to explain it to me what that is because sometimes people go, okay, yeah, Jesus laid aside you know, his deity, laid aside his you know, being God and took upon himself a man. It's like you and I literally making a world, a stick man world. Anybody ever make a stick man world? Those are my worlds because that's the best that I can draw. I've got a couple sticks and different things. So it's like I drove this stick man world and all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I breathe life into them and they're, you know, walking around stickly doing their thing. And they do a, they make a mistake. They do something wrong. They sin against my command. Now I'm willing to leave this world, this body that I'm in here and enter into the stick man world. And I'm going to die the ultimate death for all the stick people. I know it's kind of weird, but if you just think of this is what Jesus did. He left heaven. He left it all and jumped into our stickman world and rescued us and paid the ultimate price. And now forever, guess who is sitting beside God, the almighty God? A man. Hit your screen. Here, hit your skin. A man is now sitting in this place. God. Come on, somebody. This right here, body sitting right now. He is, for you and I, interceding for us. He's standing the gap between God the Father and you and I. Is this man, Jesus. He's not kind of some weird spirit. He's got a body just like you and I got now. He will forever and ever and ever be like that. So why did God do it? Because he loves you. Man, think about how great that is. Anybody would ever volunteer to be a stick person for the rest of their life? Didn't see any hands going up. Well, let me just show you this last verse, Romans chapter 5, or yeah, 5 verse 6. It says, when we were utterly helpless, utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us. Doesn't say church. He died for us as sinners. This is the condition that we were in. Verse uh, 7. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But now God, he clearly shows. Verse 8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. And the, here's the cool thing. The moment you've accepted and embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're no longer a sinner. You now become, in God's eyes, you become right before him as if you've never done a thing wrong. Oh, how many of you are righteous? 
That's the Christian word we use is we are righteous. Right? And that means I have, I am right. I have no sin in me. Sin is completely far away from me because Jesus took it away. Everybody say, took away. Now, I'll, you know, just maybe some thoughts may come. Well, how come I'm still dealing with sin then? If I've still got sin in my life. Here's the thing. You have to realize it's not about you getting rid of the sin. I've got to get rid of it. got rid of it. You need to now have a new mindset, a new thought. Jesus took it away from me. The moment you see Jesus take it away from you, it'll just get off of you. See, what we try to do is we try to muster up enough willpower. I'm never going to do this again. I'm not going to do that again. Only to find ourselves, you know, next week in the same cycle over and over and over again. What we need to do is come to realize and come to get what we call a revelation or just this thought hit me. The light bulb came on. Jesus took it away. He took it away. When I see Jesus on that cross with my sin, the things that I did, the things of my mistakes, what I've done, and I see him die with it. He go to hell with it. Guess what? I don't want to do it anymore. It's not about be better, be a good Christian, work a better. No, you got to see Jesus on that cross, taking all the sin on himself, God throwing it on him because he loved you and I and he wants us free. That's why he did it. Right? Okay. So why did God forgive us again? Because he is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. So now, as I said, sin is not the issue. Now, just to give you a reference point for that, John chapter 16, I want to just read this to you, verse 9, because I've, I've had conversations with people. The reason, sadly, that they don't want to come to church is because they think the, churchy is judge, the church is judgy. And I'll tell you right now, in this house and in this place, we don't judge anybody. <laughs> we don't do that. Why it doesn't work out for you. You judge, you get judged. So I've learned my lesson on that. I ain't spent, I'm not wasting my time on judging anybody. It doesn't work for, for me. <laughs> but the reason is we just, we, we all in the same boat. But John 16, 9, it just lays it out very clearly. It says this, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. God is not mad at you because you're stuck in addiction. I think somebody just needs to hear that. This. God's not mad at you because you know, you've been trying to quit smoking or you've been trying to quit any kind. He's not mad at you. He's not holding a grudge against you. Every time you maybe feel every time you do something, make that mistake and, you know, watch that video you shouldn't have watched. You know, you drank that you shouldn't have drank and smoked what you shouldn't have smoked. All of a sudden, go, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. And so what happens, this condemnation you may be feeling, let me tell you this, that is not God. You're never going to be good enough. That is not God. What it, there is, the Bible calls an enemy of your soul, the devil, who is looking around and he's doing everything he can to keep you beat up, to keep you down, to keep you, oh man, I can't believe I keep missing this up. What that mindset does, it pushes you further and further away from God when God, his arms are like this, come here, just let's, let's work on this together. He's with you. God with us. Right? This is who our God is. Does God like sin? Absolutely not. He hates it. That's why he wants you free from it. But as long as we keep living, oh, I got to do better, I got to do better, you are missing the whole point and you will fall week after week, month after month, and you find yourself next year dealing with the same thing. Why? Because you have got to stop doing it on your own. You're not meant to do it on your own. Jesus came to take it away and to show you now real life. But I just really want you to hear that if you've been dealing with stuff, no condemnation. There is no more guilt. There is no shame. Remember what we just read, John 3, 17. God did not send his son into the world to judge and to condemn the world, but to rescue it, to save it. 
So what he wants to do is he wants to rescue you. So let me encourage you, just wherever you're at, just open your heart. Say, God, I'm opening myself up to this. This is what I've been dealing with for, you know, X amount of months, X amount of years. I'm opening up my heart. Here I am with it. Guess what? He's not scared of it. God's not going to fall off the throne and go, oh, oh, God, me, what? What is all this? He's not going to freak out about it. He's okay. He's okay with your mistakes. Some of you got to hear this. I'm not, I'm not preaching to church people this morning. I'm preaching to those that maybe do not know. He's okay with where you're at. And his love will take you where you need to go. There's so much more yet in store for you. So don't sell yourself short. But let me encourage you. You cannot do it on your own. You need a savior. You need it. Okay. So that's just dealing with the sin thing. Now the next thing I want to make mention of. Again what we read in Psalm 103 verse 3. It says you've healed me inside and out from every disease. Now, when you look at the cross, and you may have seen some of those images that we just watched the video on, the same price, the same cost that it was for you and I for our sin to be removed is the same price that you and I, our bodies and our souls, our mind, were, was healed at the same time. It's the same price. I mean, you could have think about it. Jesus didn't have to go to the whipping post. God could have just said, you know, ignored all of that. And you could just, you know, yeah, your sins are forgiven, but you're going to deal with sickness while you're on this earth. Why did he have to go to the whipping post? What's, what's the purpose for the beating that he took? He did it so that you and I would never ever have to experience physical sickness in these bodies. Really? Yeah. It's exactly what it is. God loves, you know what? God hates. I'm saying that strong. He hates sin. God hates sickness. God hates disease. And to see it on the people that he loves? Think about it for a moment. What do you hate to see your kids in? If they, you know, if, if you know, a flu comes on them, you just, oh, you get ticked off seeing those types of things on your own kids. And we, just being even natural folk, don't like it. How much more your heavenly father, our God, he hates sickness. You have to have that same mentality too. Maybe you've held on to something for so long, you just kind of coped with it. No, 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 God hates it. And so we here at this church, guess what? We hate what he hates. We hate sickness. Say it, I hate it. <laughs> you got to get to that place where you hate it. Not just, oh, it's, it's okay, I can live with it. No, 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 I hate it. Why? Because it is the work of the devil. Well, we live in this natural world. Should, doesn't everybody experience sickness? You don't have to. Did you know Adam and Eve, before sin ever entered this world, Adam and Eve, man, they trolled around naked, woo, doing their thing. Listen, there was no sickness and no disease where they were. Romans chapter 5, if you read that chapter, you keep going in it, it says sin entered the world through one man's disobedience, and on the coattails of sin, death came along with it. Now what is death? Anything, sickness and disease, that leads to death. Ultimately, that's what it's trying to do. So Jesus came to reverse that. You know, 1 John chapter 3, I think I have that on the screen, maybe not. 1 John 3, 8, <clears throat> it says this in my, the New Living, um, the very bottom verse. It says, but the Son of God, who's the Son of God? Jesus. Jesus. He came to do what? Destroy. To destroy. Now, what does that word destroy mean? Annihilate obliterate mean there's absolutely nothing left over can you see this 
Jesus came to obliterate, to annihilate the works of the devil. Now let me ask you this question. Did he do that? Did he do an 80% job? No. How, did he do it to completion? 100%. He absolutely did it. So what does that mean? Any work of the devil, talk sin being one, sickness and disease being another, did Jesus absolutely destroy the tactics of the enemy? Well, how come I'm still dealing with it? Again, you have to come to a realization of what he did for you. That's all that it is. It's now just seeing it in a different light. What we want to talk about is you got to see what God has done for us. See what he did. And this is what he did. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Anybody can say, okay, he's gotten rid of sin. Oh, yeah, I, I can see that. But when it comes to sickness and disease, I don't know. You can catch something by just holding onto a handle and different things. Listen, that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now you live in a whole new realm. You are now healed people and the devil's trying to make you sick. Now I'm a whole person. This is who I am now. Right? It gets a whole new way of living. And that, that, this goes into a lot of deeper stuff. But I'm giving you just the surface level this morning. But God came to destroy the works of the devil. And part of that is sickness. And part of that is diseases. Matthew chapter 8. I have this on the screen. Verse 1 through 3. It says, Large crowds follow Jesus as he came to the mountainside. Suddenly, and this is just an example of an individual, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt down before him, saying, Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now notice how this individual came up to him. He knew that he was able to, right? We may know, okay, God's able to heal, but does he want to? Now let me ask, does God want to? Is he able? Okay, that's, that's good things. He said, I look at this. If you are willing, you can make me clean, whole and clean. Verse 3, notice Jesus' words. Jesus reached out and touched him. Now, I want you to see this is who our God is. Leprosy being a very contagious disease. Right? Anybody that had it in those times, they had to walk around saying, unclean, unclean. And everybody, they saw him, they'd have to you know, clear the streets. Get out. you got to get away from me because I don't want to catch it. Jesus went up and he touched the man. So I want you just to see God's not scared of sickness. He's not scared of any kind of disease. He's not nervous around it. He's, oh man, I haven't seen this before. I don't know how we're going to make it happen. He's not scared of these things. The devil doesn't scare God. The devil is a loser. Everything he does is losing style. Right? Jesus reached out and touched him and he said, I am willing. Then he said, be healed. And what happened? Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Instantly. And we'll go to the next one there, guys. I think it's verse 14. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. So this is just in case people think, well, God only takes care of the big stuff. No, this little fever was also bothering. He didn't like it either. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left. Look at this. I want you just to see how good our God is. Just at the approach. Bam. Touched her. Fever gone. Hates it. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. Now, that's not why Jesus healed her. <laughs> Man, I'm hungry. Man, what are you doing, girl? Get up, get up, make me some food. <laughs> Verse 16. And now notice this. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed... Come on, what does all mean? All the sick. This is what he did. This is in the business. 
So again, we wanting to see how much God loves us. You've kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. Then on top of it, you've healed every disease inside and out. He doesn't want any part of it. Verse 17, this fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, He took, everybody say took. He took our sicknesses. And doesn't those two words look very similar? What did he do with our sins? He took our sins. That's what John the Baptist said. Look, look, there's the man. He's going to, he took away the sins of the world. And the angel said, he's going to remove the sins of the people. Well, the same way that he took your sin, everybody believed that, right? Well, now it's just as easy to believe he took my sickness and he took my disease. You ought not to be sick anymore. The church people especially, we ought not to be sick anymore. And what's happening is now the world is starting to find the church irrelevant because we can't even take care of stuff like this. We send them off. Oh, go, go, go to the dog. There's nothing wrong with that. Go check it out. That's wonderful. But we church folk have to be, this is who our God is. And if I lay hands on you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get better. Not because of me, but because of who lives on the inside of me. Jesus is here. So when I touch you, guess what? Healing flows to your body. It's not me. Any believer can do that. Man. So Jesus hates sickness and disease. And as long as we church folk keep, you know, tolerating it and thinking, oh, it's okay. Everybody has to go through it once in a while. Then guess what? Whatever you tolerate, you're also going to have in your life. I ain't going to have any of that in my life. And let me just show you. So this is what the Isaiah prophet said. So look at what Isaiah said. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. I love these verses. It said, yet it was, it says weaknesses. That word translated weaknesses actually means sicknesses. It was our, say my, sicknesses he carried. It was our sorrows. That word sorrows in the Hebrew literally means pains. It was our pains that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Now notice this, verse 5. But he, talking Jesus, was pierced for our, my rebellion. He was crushed for my sins. He was beaten. So I like to personalize this. I want to encourage you, personalize these verses. Jesus was beaten on that whipping post so I could be whole. He was whipped so that I could be Can we read that together, the last two verses? And then personalize it. He was beaten so I could be whole. He was whipped so I could be healed. Say it, I'm healed. That's what he wants for you. Now let me give you one more verse just in closing this here. I'm going to get the band to come up in a sec. Uh, but First uh, Peter chapter 2, this is, this is the testimony or this is the... The whole life of Jesus right here in a nutshell. Jesus never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. Now anybody hanging on that cross, I'm sure you would spout off a few words. Right? You got some religious punks walking around and just saying, well, if you really are the son of God, why don't you come down? Oh, I have a few choice words for him. Maybe I'm the only one. Okay. That's why I'm not God. (laughs) Didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case into the hands of God who always judges fairly. Verse 24, I love this. Guys, you can come on up. Ben, come on up here, guys. He personally carried my, just say my sins. He personally carried it in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. 
by his wounds, I am healed. So you know what? If it's easy for you to say, I am forgiven, I want you to get to the place where you can say, I am healed. It's the same. And I know I couldn't go much, I couldn't get real deep into that this morning, but I wanted you just to see this is how much your father loves you, that he gave you Jesus. Now, you just think about this for a moment. You know, Romans 8.32, this is one of my favorite Bible verses. It says, he, talking God, God did not withhold or spare his own son, but he freely gave him up for us all. Will he not give us everything else? Listen, I know people, are, they got struggles, maybe financially, people struggling in their bodies, people struggling with all different kinds of things. And they're questioning, well, God, does God want to, will God hook me up? Will God bless me? Will God, you know, take care of this for me? The answer is absolutely yes. How do I know? Because if he gave you Jesus, which to him, to God, is everything, what's a house payment? If he gave you Jesus, what's cancer? Can you see that? If he gave you Jesus, couldn't he just absolutely show you how to be set free from that addiction? He absolutely could. And so right now, the band's just going to sing this song, and uh, you, you can be... Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we'd love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.